It's awesome to see so many graduates every single year here. And um, it's, it's uh, Memorial Day. And um, you know, sometimes if we're not careful, Memorial Day will just look like barbecues for us in a long weekend, right? And, uh, and it's so much more than that. And we've been, uh, you know, Memorial Day, for those who, who do not know, Memorial Day is really when we honor those soldiers, men and women who have given their lives for the freedoms that we have. The fact that we're here today, the fact that we can even be in this church, the fact that we can be here, the fact that many of you have come from other countries, you've come to join into the freedoms that have been fought for and paid for by so many men and women who have given their lives. Today is not an easy day for many families. Today, many families are thinking and and grieving the loss of their kids or a child or a husband or a wife. And so as we have our barbecues and as we enjoy our long weekend, let's not forget why we have it. And I want to ask you to bow your heads. I want to take time this morning to pray for the families, those who have lost family members, those kids who no longer have a father or mother around because of the cost of freedom. Lord Jesus, we just come before you, and God, we are so grateful for the freedoms that we walk in. God, we know this country has lots of problems, but God, we thank you for the freedoms that we walk in. God, we thank you for the sacrifices of men and women, Lord Jesus, who gave their lives because they believed in this freedom, and they believed it was worth fighting for. God, we pray for the family members who also have sacrificed life, Lord Jesus. Those moms and dads who have lost a child, those wives who have lost a husband, those fathers and husbands who have lost a a wife, and God, for their kids who have lost parents. We just pray, Lord Jesus, that you would strengthen them, that you would comfort them in a way that only you can, that you, Lord God, would be their peace. Would you bless them, Lord God, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The Battle of Long Island took place August 27, 1776. It was the first major battle in the American Revolutionary War following United States Declaration of Independence. And it was before that battle that George Washington, on August 26, would address his soldiers. The time is now near at hand, which must probably determine whether Americans are to be free men or slaves, whether they are to have any property that they can call their own, whether their houses and farms are to be pillaged and destroyed and themselves consigned to a state of wretchedness from which no human efforts will deliver them. The fate of unborn millions will now depend under God on the courage and conduct of this army, Our cruel, unrelenting enemy leaves us only the choice of a brave resistance or the most abject submission. We have, therefore, to resolve to conquer or die. A little over a year earlier, on June 15, 1775, right before the Battle of Bunker's Hill, right here in Boston, which took place on June 17th, the great evangelist John Wesley wrote this in a letter to the English leader, Lord North. And he's speaking this 
about the Americans, about the patriots. He says, these men will not be frightened. And it seems that they will not be conquered as easily as was at first imagined. They will probably dispute every inch of ground. And if they die, they will die with a sword in their hand. They are as strong as men as you. They are as valiant as you, if not abundantly more valiant. For they are one and all enthusiasts. Enthusiasts for liberty. What makes a person willing to sacrifice their life for their country? What makes a person put everything on the line for their fellow men? So this Memorial Day weekend, we recognize those soldiers who have paid the ultimate price. Those whose belief in our freedom and the freedom of others around them led them to action. It led them to sacrifice. Today we don't only remember and recognize, but we stand indebted to them because we walk and live in our freedoms because of their cost and the price that they have paid. So what is it that makes a person willing to sacrifice their life to put everything on the line? What is it in somebody to walk away from a, from a, from a wife or, or a husband or a family, someone, what causes that? And I believe one of the answers to that is this undeterred belief in what you are fighting for. To be absolutely convinced that what you believe in and what you are leaving to fight for is worth fighting for. You have to believe it with the core of who you are. Anything less than that will not permit you to put your life on the line. We're not going to throw our lives away for nothing, right? So to put your life on the line, there has to be a belief in what you were doing. A strong passion for what you were doing. And in addition to this belief, I believe it takes a recognition that what you do now will have significant effect on the lives of those around you and the lives to come. That's not just this belief, but this recognition that in my belief, what I do now, today, counts. What I do now is going to make a difference to those next to me and those who will come after me. And I, my belief, with that strong conviction that I must act. That's what leads people to walk away from family. That's what leads people to lay their lives down. And I don't think there's ever a better time right now than, what, than, than when we see people coming back from Afghanistan um, and Iraq. We see the cost of freedom. Just the other day, we were walking through Boston and walking through the common. We had no uh, plans on, on celebrating, you know, going to a ceremony. But as I walked, many of you have probably seen this, the Sea of Flags. How many of you have seen the Sea of Flags in the, in the common? 
representing all of those soldiers who've given their lives. And as I saw those, I had to stop and I had to walk down. As I walked down, there was a ceremony where there were parents actually reading off the names of their kids who had died. And it comes home to roost really closely. And those who are veterans here, some of you have lost friends. And the cost of the freedom that we walk in and we live in is real and true. And the cost of those, even those who did not lose their lives but lost so much as they come back disabled and hurt. Today, we walk in that freedom because of the cost of so many. Because of the commitment, the belief, and the action. You know, as I I, I think about and recognize these soldiers, and as we recognize the physical freedoms that we have, I I can't help but in my mind go to the fact that I walk in spiritual freedom. And as we look at Memorial Day, we recognize the physical cost of so many men and women that gave their lives to buy us this freedom. I can't help but in my mind go, man, that the spiritual freedom that I walk in took life too. John 3.16, passage of Scripture that we all know well. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. You know, we recognize that Jesus saw us in our sin and in our bondage because, you know, our sin is our bondage. John 8 verse 34 says that, Very truly, I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. And then the scripture tells us that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Now, all of us are in this bondage. All of us are enslaved to sin. And so Jesus sees us in bondage. And we know that Jesus, what he does is sets people free. We see it all through the Old Testament. This is the message of who our God is. And so Jesus sees us in our bondage to sin. He sees us in our slavery. And he sees us unable to help ourselves or save ourselves. And so he comes and he gives his life and he dies. He comes and he becomes human. The word became flesh and he dwelt among us. And he lived this perfect life. He was the perfect sacrifice. Because the punishment for our sin is death. And he didn't want us to die. He doesn't want us to live in our sin, enslaved and trapped. And and so he came to set us free. That that as he gives his life for us, that we who believe in him and repent of our sins, that he sets us free and he gives us new life. And even as Pastor Rennie and, and the worship team led us this morning, those were the songs we were singing about. What can I say? What can I do? This amazing love, this shed blood that that covers me and and washes me. And we celebrate freedom. That's what we were doing this morning. We were celebrating and singing songs of freedom and songs of joy and songs of victory because of who Jesus is. And we know that, that freedom physically from the country that we live in, and we know it spiritually because of what Jesus has done in us. And then John chapter 15, verse 12 through 13, Jesus says this, My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. And greater love has no one than this. And you can finish this for me, right? 
to lay down one's life for one's friends. So Jesus says, man, I've seen you in your sin. I've seen you in your captivity. I've seen you in your prison, imprisoned by everything that holds you down. And I was not okay with that, that I was going to step in to come and set you free. He says, and I came and I died and I set you free. And my command for you is this, love one another as I have loved you. And if we really look at that, we go, well, how did he love us? Well, he loved us by dying for us that we might have freedom. And his command to us is now die for one another, that they too might walk and live not just in a physical freedom, but in a spiritual freedom. And he calls us to give our lives for others. And he says, there is no greater love. That is the definition of love. That is what real love is. To give your life for your friends. You know, I stand here today, and and I imagine I can probably speak for a lot of you in here, if not all of you, but I stand here today for one reason. Because of the life given for me. And not just the life of Christ. First and foremost... Because Jesus Christ died for me and he set me free. But I stand here today because of the sacrifice of many other people. I stand here today because someone was set free from Jesus Christ many, many years ago. And someone didn't just hear these words, didn't just embrace freedom and keep it for themselves. But no, they embraced the freedom that Jesus Christ gave them. And they were so moved by it, they so believed in it that they said, man, this belief that I have, it demands a response from me. And it moves me to do something. There's two kinds of beliefs in this world, right? There's this intellectual belief that doesn't sometimes, in some cases, lead you to anything. I believe this. I believe that. I believe this. But there's another kind of belief, a belief that leads you to action. I believe there's a thunderstorm outside and it's pouring down rain. Let me grab an umbrella. That's a belief that leads you to action. So what happened years and years and years ago, and and the reason that I stand here, and the truth is the reason that you sit here, is because someone many years ago, someone that you never met, embraced this love of God and, and received it for themselves and said, you know what? I'm just not receiving this for myself, but this demands an action. And my God says, now for me to love others as he has loved me, and so I in turn am going to give my life. It's no longer about my dreams. It's no longer about my personal desires. I recognize that, man, the fields are ripe for the harvest. There are so many lost and hurting people. And this kind of love demands my response, and it leads me to action. And so they lay down their lives. Some of them were just laying down dreams, and some of them were laying down, down the, the, their hopes for their future, whatever it was that they, they had in mind at one point, and some people literally gave their lives. And because of their sacrifice, they began to pour into people. See, I don't just owe the fact that I stand here to Jesus, but I owe the fact to faithful men and women 
Embrace the message. Embrace the Great Commission. Not just my parents. My parents poured into me, and I thank God for my parents. You know something? I thank God for the people who poured into them. And I thank God for the people that poured into the people that poured into them. And I can go on and on and on and on. Because the decision of somebody years ago that I never met has had a direct result and effect on my life. And every one of you in here is the same. You're not here because of one person. You're here because someone embraced the call of Jesus Christ. Someone embraced the call to say, no, love others as I have loved you, and they gave their lives. And you and I will never be the same because of that. Who was it that poured into your life? Take a second to think about it. Who was it? When's the last time you thanked God for life given? Who was it that poured into their life? Probably many of us do not know that. But they gave their lives in such a sacrificial way that it led you to Christ. Does that end with you? Does it end with you? You know, every Christmas Eve, we have this Christmas Eve service, and we, we light the candle, right? We light candles, and typically it's either Lori or myself or Pastor and myself, and we light the candles from the, from the light, the candle on the communion table, and we go to the congregation. Everyone has unlit candles, and they sit in the pews, and they're waiting for that light to come. And we light the two candles on the, ed- in the edge of each pew. And the responsibility of that person, once their candle is lit, is to do what? Lean over. And light the candle of the person next to them. And so, each candle is slowly lit. And when it comes to you right now, has it stopped with you? Are you holding a lit candle and just holding it? And is the room beyond you dark? because you're not passing that light on. You know, as a kid, I grew up in church. I didn't want to be a pastor. I saw enough Christians. <laughs> I didn't want it. My brother will tell you. We saw a lot. I, I, you know, it, it wasn't the fact of someone's words. I heard a lot of Christians say a lot of things. They didn't move me much at all. I heard a lot of people, very spiritual people, say spiritual things, and then I saw the way they lived. I saw the way they treated people. It wasn't their words. It was their lifestyle. That's what spoke to me as a kid. It wasn't what they said. It's what they did. And what they did spoke volumes and higher than what they said. And I was taught on both sides. It was in their lives that I either saw the message of Christ or did not see the message of Christ. 
The words were obsolete to me, but it's what they did. Did they actually live this? Because, see, otherwise their belief was surface. But did their belief lead to an action? Did their belief lead to some, something transformed, something changed, something different? Because anybody can say anything, but if I see it in you, that's what I believe. I don't want to hear your words. I want to see a life that says that this is real and in the lives, and I thank God that there were lives of those that I saw that was real and that their voices through their lives screamed louder to me. than the apathetic lives of so many people who claimed and spoke a lot of faith. It's true. It's sometimes the people who speak the most faith, honestly, they do the least. I've seen it time and time again. People quote Scripture. I'm not picking on quoting Scripture, but, man, if you're going to quote it and you're going to talk spiritual, you better be living it. You better be living because I see way too much talk from so many people and about this much action. I want to tell you what speaks and what moves people is your lifestyle, not your words. What moved Jesus was not the fact that he said, oh, I love them. Hmm, I'll give my life. No, he gave his life. He gave, he poured himself. Paul said, I'm being emptied out like a drink offering. I have nothing left. We're told not to be hearers of the word, but doers of the word. We stand in our physical freedoms today not because someone thought about fighting for freedom. Not because someone thought about or entertained the idea of giving their life. No, because someone walked away from their family. And someone walked away from everything that they dreamed about to say, no, today what I do matters. Today counts. And this is worth fighting for. And I stand here in this pulpit able to preach something I never thought I would do, never wanted to do. And you sit here in this church because someone gave their life And in doing so, they pass that baton to you. And you hold that baton in your hand. And the world waits for it. And some of the world doesn't want to receive it willingly. Some of them say, no, no, because there's too much talk out there. And they're waiting for a lifestyle to really preach the gospel of Christ. Does it end with you? What are you doing with what God has given you? What are you doing with the, with the message of so many witnesses that have gone before you and given their lives? You know, in Numbers chapter 32, it's talking about how Moses has led the Israelites out of captivity in Egypt and they're about to inherit the promised land. They're on the east side of the Jordan. Right before Moses dies, it would be Joshua who would lead them in. But right before Moses dies, and they're sitting in the east land, okay, they're not in the promised land. The promised land is on the west side, but they're on the east side. And before crossing the Jordan, two tribes, the Reubenites and Gadites, both of whom had large herds and flocks, they saw that the lands where they currently were on the east side were suitable for their livestock. So they're on the east side, they go, hey, we're not in the promised land yet, but this land works really well for us. This is going to suit us. This is going to be good for us. And so they approached Moses, and they said this, Moses, if, if we have found favor in your eyes, 
Let this land be given to us as our possession. Let us stay here. Do not make us cross the Jordan. See, the land that they were on, the east side of the Jordan, had already been conquered. The hard work had already been done. It had been done by all of the Israelites, all of the tribes together. And these two tribes now could envision and now saw what they wanted, what they needed, and they were standing right there. I said, say to Moses, hey, this is going to be good for us. And Moses says this to them in verse 6 of chapter 32, Numbers. He says, shall your countrymen go to war while you sit here? And they responded to Moses, we would like to build pens here for our livestock and cities for our women and children, but we are ready to arm ourselves and go ahead of the Israelites until we have bought them to their, brought them to their place. We will not return to our homes until every Israelite has received his inheritance. They're standing on the land that they want. This is good. This is going to work for us. And Moses either misunderstands them or he corrects them, but something happens here where Moses rebukes them and challenges them and says, wait, should you, now that you've got what you want, now that you're happy, now that you're here, should you sit here while your countrymen go to war? And so challenged by this, they say, well, no, we're going to go on. We're willing to fight. They were committed to the end. Although they saw what they wanted and they were standing in what they, they possessed the land that they wanted, what they needed. They did not sit still in their freedom. They didn't sit still in what they had. No, the battle was not over. And they would march ahead of the Israelites across the Jordan. They would risk their lives having, having already arrived where they wanted to be. But they would go on to risk their lives for what? the sake of the other Israelites, the other tribes, that they too would inherit what was coming to them. And they said, we will not stop fighting until every Israelite has received their inheritance. Many of us can identify this above attitude in those who led us to the Lord. It was the same attitude present in their lives. They received freedom. They received life from Christ. And they didn't just sit in complacency with the life they received. They didn't take that candle and go, I'm good, my candle's lit. Praise God, glory to God, I'm going to heaven. No, they said, man, my candle's lit. And man, I recognize where, I, where Jesus has brought me from. And I have got to take this message to more people. It's a belief inside of me that demands a response. It demands action on my part. And I cannot and I will not sit still. It wasn't enough that they received Christ. They were on a mission for him. And they wanted everyone to receive what they had. And many sacrificed to make that happen. And that is why you and I are in this place today. Because someone gave their life in such a way that it registered in your heart and your mind that what they did painted a picture of Jesus enough to sell you to say, yes, I want this. And as you embrace that picture, 
does it end with you? Are you painting that picture for somebody else in the way that you live? I asked this question earlier, and I asked it again. What makes a person willing to sacrifice their life? What makes a person put everything on the line for their fellow men? And the answer is the same in our Christian walk as well. An undeterred belief in what you are fighting for. Do you believe in what you're fighting for? Do you believe in the freedom that God has given you? Do you believe it in a way that leads you to action? And the recognition that what you do now has a significant effect on the lives of those around you and the lives to come. What you, glad tidings, do now. What you do now is significant for those next to you and generations beyond you should the Lord tarry. You don't know the impact of what you will do. Someone witnessed to Billy Graham. And someone witnessed to the one who witnessed. And someone witnessed to the one who witnessed to the one who witnessed to Billy Graham. And they all share in what God did through Billy Graham. What you do now is significant for those who are around you and for the lives to come. Does it end with you? As you ask that question, and, and, and I, I hope that you do, I want you to ask yourself these very words that I'm about to read to you. Which aspects of my priorities, of my thoughts, and of my actions declare that I exist for God's service and glory. What is it about what I'm doing now with my life? About my priorities, the way I walk, the way I live, the way I move. What aspects of what I'm doing now declare, without a word of me saying, me saying anything, declare that I exist for God's service and his glory. And on the other side of that coin is this same question. Which aspects of my life declare that God exists for my benefit and my service? Which aspects of my priorities, my thoughts, and my actions right now in the way that I am living declares that God lives to serve me. And as we ask ourselves honestly those questions, which one is outweighing the other? And there you'll have your answer. Does it end with you? You know what I'm saying? 
I mean, guys, this is the reality of the gospel. This is the reality of the gospel. Jesus, as I have loved you, go and love one another. We like to water that down to whatever we can to make ourselves a little bit more comfortable. The reality of it says, that's the gospel. And that's the message. So this Memorial Day weekend, we thank God for the men and women who gave their lives for our physical freedom. And I thank God for his son, Jesus Christ, who gave us our spiritual freedom. But let's not just recognize the price that others have paid. Let's just not celebrate the lives laid down. Let us also embrace the life that God has called us to. Let us also be so convinced in the depths of our souls that, man, this is worth fighting for. Let us be so convinced in what we believe that our belief leads us to a response. It doesn't matter if anybody else is responding or not. I cannot help but respond because this is real to me. Let's not just reflect on Memorial Day embrace this life that God has called us to. A life that gives life so that others might live. I want to tell you again, what you do now, what you do now will have significant effect on those around you and those who will come after you. And as I close, I pray that these words may be said of you, that these words may be said of me, that these men will not be frightened, and it seems they will not be conquered as easily as is first imagined. They will probably dispute every inch of ground, and if they die, die with sword in hand. They are as strong as men as you. They are as valiant as you, if not abundantly more valiant. For they are one and all enthusiasts, enthusiasts for liberty, enthusiasts for God, enthusiasts for freedom. Would you stand to your feet this morning? You know, it's easy... It's easy to sit back and make judgment calls on how somebody else should serve God better. It just is. Christians are really good at that. It's easy to say, man, this is what that person should be doing. This is what they should be doing. What are you doing? Yeah, a message came forth this morning. Man, get your hands dirty. Get your hands dirty. How dirty are your hands? You don't have to be perfect. Just join the fight. Just join the fight. Be another body. Be somebody else who says, man, I'm in. I don't have a lot, but you got what I've got. You have everything that I have. I'm in because I believe in this. I mean, Jesus did that for us. He did it for me. And my life will never be the same. Because of him.
How about you? When you leave this place today, how do you leave? I leave in the joy of the freedom that I have in Christ. And I am grateful to God. Let's take that to everybody. Let's take it to everybody. Take your candle. When you leave out here, light somebody's up. And if it doesn't catch, keep putting it over there. And keep lighting. And keep lighting. And keep lighting. And if you've been doing a poor job of it so far, Praise God for his grace and mercy. Today is a new day. And how you walk out of here today. See, Satan will come here and say, man, you're worthless. You haven't done a good job. You shouldn't even. No, no, no. God brings this thing up, these things up. Why? He's building his army. He didn't do this and say this to demobilize you and to destroy you, but to mobilize you and empower you. He says, I'm telling you this because I'm calling you to go out. If you haven't done it, ask him to forgive you and get up and go and do it. And when you fall, get up again because it's his strength. Lord Jesus, we come before you. And God, it was with such grateful hearts that we thank you for the men and women who have given their lives for the physical freedoms that we walk in and live in, God. And I pray that none of us, Lord, would take that lightly and God, we pray again for their families and for their children and for all who are, who are affected, Lord God, in such deep and real ways, Lord Jesus. Would you be their strength? Because as we recognize them, we recognize you, Lord Jesus, how you gave your life for us and how you set us free from our sin and from our bondage. And God, I thank you for your grace and your mercy and your love that although we fail you so many times, Lord Jesus, when we bring these, our failures and our sins to you, you are gracious and merciful to forgive us and to set us free. And so, God, we ask you, Lord Jesus, to forgive us for our apathy, to forgive us for our complacency, Lord Jesus, to forgive us for our attitudes that suggest that we're okay with other people going to hell. And, God, would you change our hearts? God, for those who have been working so hard and are so tired, Lord Jesus, would you strengthen them? God, those who feel like, like Paul, they've poured out their lives like a drink offering, God, would you fill them up again? Would you strengthen them, Lord Jesus? Would you give them the energy to run the race marked out for them, Lord God? And God, for those, Lord Jesus, who maybe have been doing nothing, Lord Jesus, would you forgive them? And would you set them out in that race that you have for them? And they may they run that race, not with their own strength, but the power of the Holy Spirit who will lead them and guide them to bring people into relationship with you and to set them free. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm gonna-